0: All right, good morning everybody. Grab a seat. Thanks for sharing. I uh I got to learn some new talents that I didn't uh, expect over here. I um wish that I was Colin Molaney. <laughs> I can't. I mean, now this goes deeper. I I think I need to maybe confess a little bit this week. I Colin is a is a friend but when I watched Colin, if, if you haven't been around uh, real long at Hope Heights, we spent over a year online on the internet meeting together on Facebook. And for many, many weeks, uh, we saw this. This is a video, this is a screenshot of Colin leading us uh, with Jordan and our, the rest of our worship team. But every week we got to see this eagle fly. We got to see this thing soar. And uh I mean, to the point of as soon as those videos would show, worship would start online, and you'd see in the comments just the eagle, 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 the emojis. I mean, uh, probably the most impactful thing of a year online was Colin's sweatshirt. (laughs) To the point that I started a fan club, I mean, I so wish I could be him. I wish I could play guitar kind of close. I wish I could sing even just like half as well. I wish I could lead worship close. I mean, he... It's common, right? I think even in a church. I, in fact, I, it's gotten a little out of hand. This is my workstation at my house. Um, I, I mean, it's really all I think about all day is <laughs> him. And if I could just sing with him, oof, oof is right. Uh, I, Oh, Colin, if I could just listen all day. I don't even want to, maybe I don't even need to play. I could just sit and enjoy his talent. Look at that. A poster, those are going to go on sale soon here, uh, make a little extra money. I think we, we live though, right, in a culture that feels like this isn't that, I mean, maybe it's, it's funny here, like why is he wearing a, why, I actually had a sweatshirt made to just share my love for him and that I wish I could be him. The sweatshirt doesn't make me Colin, if you wonder, um, looking like him doesn't, it would take many, many years of practice and maybe I'd never get to where he's at. But we definitely like to to take like a, a talent someone has, right, or a skill they have. And sometimes it kind of gets elevated to almost as if it, there's certain talents that are just so much more valuable or even just the people are so much more valuable. And in fact, we have shows, right, like America's Got Talent that really highlights people's talent. I mean, it's pretty incredible, right? The stuff people do on there, the, the, the thousands and thousands of hours they spend to craft craft things and their talent, hone in their talent. I think though this can eke into, kind of bleed into and start shaping how we think uh, of the body of Christ and how we think of our own talent and how God has wired us and what that looks like in our own lives. And so we have this, uh, these two kind of competing things. We have this America's got talent that doesn't necessarily, it's not actually just in America, but like this TV show. And then we have this other, The Church Has Got Talent. If we were like a church that did series, all of our series, sermon series, we probably would do a series called The Church Has Got Talent, and we'd like make people act stuff out. We're not gonna. Uh, but, but there's this different, right? There's this kind of two views. And today our hope is that we're going to look at what does it look like to see what Scripture and what The Church Has Got Talent looks like. Just real quick, I think a few of the things we see is we see a, a view of a person and what they're doing, their actual skill, the actual what they're doing and that person can become elevated and we all just want to watch them and allow them to do their great thing. And often I find myself not participating at all because I think, well, if I can't be Colin, it's not worth worshiping. I got a guitar at my house. I can play some chords. I'm not Colin though. I can put the sweatshirt on right? I can go through the, the process of like scanning, stealing his sweatshirt from his home, scanning it, sending it hypothetically to a company that prints it, wearing it, right? It doesn't make me col. right? There's, a, there's an element of like highlighting it. And then even just this in the church, hey, this has got to be the most important talent. We walk in, we see him lead us in worship. Wow. Thank God he does that. I mean, the other stuff I guess is good. I'm glad people are making coffee and greeting and helping set up and running the AV. and But this has got to be the most important thing. And then there's, a, there's this church has got talent. There's this view scripturally that it seems that all the gifts are very important, that we don't highlight a person except Jesus, that there's the skill is important, but it seems that there's other things, even the heart behind it, the matter of it and the manner of it seem to be really important, the heart behind it. And so we're in a series uh, that we're calling Entrusted, that we're just doing for four weeks as as an opportunity to consider what it looks like to be people who overflow the gospel, that God has given us things. And what does it look like to be people who overflow those, who who act those out, who those actually change how we, what we do and who we are? Uh, this is a series that we uh, are going through four different things. So last week we looked at the heart, the ticker. We're looking at our time and our treasure and our talent and our tickers. Last week, we looked at just the heart, how the heart is changed, is made new. In Genesis 12, we hear that we're blessed by God to be a blessing, not just blessed to, to be awesome, so everyone maybe will watch us and what we do, but blessed so that that can be used to bless others. We also saw in Ezekiel that God is the one who's going to come and give us new hearts. And so out of those hearts, we become people who overflow. And so each week we want to think, what does it look like to be given, to be filled, to be entrusted? And then what does it look like to overflow that good gospel, that good news, those things that God gives us into the world around us, into our church and our community, into each other's lives? And so this week we're looking at talent, talent, and what does that look like? And so actually, I've been really encouraged reading uh, in 1 Corinthians. That's what we're going to look at this week, and 1 Corinthians has a similar issue the church in Corinth, which is a location, uh, has a letter written to it. That's what the book of 1 Corinthians is. This is a letter that's written to the church in Corinth. And they have lots of things going on in Corinth that are uh, not gospel, uh, not the way the church is, is called to act. Many of those things go back to a very selfish, a very person centered, a very kind of celebrity centered uh, mentality. A lot like we see today, right? They have this view of a, a person being gifted far more than others. Everybody just wants that gift, and they would even leave beside the way they're wired and created to to just pursue this one thing. And so in one section of 1 Corinthians, the book, we hear uh, Paul actually talk about this thing. And so we're just going to walk through that. We're just going to let Paul walk us through this and tell us what what is the gospel, and how does that play out? What does it look like to overflow? What What do our talents look like, and why has God given them to us? What does it look like to be people who says, "Hey, God, you gave me this the way I'm wired, the way I'm skilled, the way I think and act, the way I connect to people. How do I use that not just for me? How do I use that maybe for others and for your church? So, changing that question to how can this be help me? To how can this help and build the church? And so, we're going to start right in First Corinthians 12 in the middle of the of the uh, chapter. If you have a Bible, uh, you can crack that open. Otherwise, we got all the passages right on the screen, we're going to go through a bunch of passages. We're just going to let Paul, we're just going to read his letter to the church in Corinth, and I think it hopefully will encourage us to reconsider or be uh, renewed in our, our passion for our own gifts and what they're for. So this is 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, we'll start in verse 12 here. It says, uh, this: their, their issue in their church was they weren't um, they weren't Big Colin fans because Colin didn't exist then. Uh, they were wearing sweatshirts with with eagles, uh, but they had they thought speaking in tongues. They thought the people who the Spirit of God were speaking through by far was the greatest. Like we, those people rule. They're the best. We all want to wear their sweatshirts. We want to be on their team. And you know what? We just really want that gift. I wish we all had that gift. To the point, right? We see this in our own church. We say, man, if I just had that, I'd be better. Even. Christian, or I'd be a better person. Or, man, I I'm bummed that I'm just good at this thing. And so we uh, pick it up in verse twelve here. Just as a body, though one has many parts, you know, a, a person's body, it's one thing, but it has many parts. But all its many parts form one body. So does with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit. So as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is made up of one part, but of many. So just basic intro. It says, Hey, there is, there is one body, it's the body of Christ, it's the church. And we all were brought into that and unified together by Christ we're all baptized. I like to use the phrase, we're baptized. We're all baptized by one spirit. And baptism is when we, we unite ourselves, connect ourselves to Christ. And when he dies and when he raises from the dead, we too die and raise from the dead. So we, we baptize someone. It doesn't do anything. It's a symbol though of how we have died and, and risen and come to life. And so he says, when we've done that, when we've said yes to Jesus and we have died to ourselves and we live With him and for him, we've been united, and now we're all this one body. Now, there's different parts to that body, but we are one body. We are connected through Christ. Tony Evans says this. I like how he explains this. Christ's body, the church, is not an organization, but an organism. We can create a robot and have organization. The parts connect to each other so that it works, but the problem with the robot is that it has no life. It is organizationally connected, but it's not a living being. A human body, in contrast, has organization that makes it function, but it also is an organism. It's a living, breathing life. Connected in the body is necessary for function and for life. It is essential if we were to leave a lasting impact and impression on our society and our world. I like this idea of thinking it. It's not like we're a robot. where We're all like a, a part in the, in the robot. We're a part in a body that's living, which means it's moving and it's growing and it's connected and parts of it get injured and have to be healed even by other parts in the body. There's wounds that get healed. There's wounds that, that never really totally heal. It's, it's it's this great image. I love that Paul uses this in First, first Corinthians because we get, we all know that image, right? It's like an illustration. You go like, oh, I've never seen a body before. We've all seen that, right? We have one and we understand that there's these parts to the body. Let's keep rolling. What, what does the body have to do? Why is he saying this when they're saying there's a most important talent. He wants us to really understand what it looks like to be the body of Christ. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Right? Could you imagine your foot? Hopefully your foot doesn't talk to you. But if it did, and it said, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. Well, that doesn't that doesn't work. It's still part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Say, I'm not really part. Yeah, you are. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That would be wild and scary. The whole body was just one big eye. So then if it was just an eye, the other way, how would we hear? We need these parts, right? If the whole body were an ear, where where would we have our sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He repeats this phrase a few times. There's many parts, but there's one body, right? There's a church, there's the body of Christ, and there's lots of parts in it. Now, this part actually really connects to me because of this verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. I say this because I think for a long time, not I think, I know for a long time, I uh, felt more like this. What am I doing here? Right? What am I even doing here? I think a sloth for the stomachs. I don't think they're even here today. This is for Celeste. Someone tell Celeste, I used a sloth. Offer her. Um, I, maybe you felt this. I, I think, God, I don't, know why you have me here. There's someone who's really good at doing this already, and someone who's really good at this, and that person's so patient. They can meet with those people. I don't know why I'm here. Do you want, am I supposed to be here? This is really important, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This might be all, the the only reason you're here today, is God wants you to hear I made you, and I have you right where I want you to be. That—that's incredible. He didn't—he didn't say, "Okay, I got a couple really good parts." And then I guess like we need a pancreas. We'll throw pancreas in there, and we got to have John because uh, we got to let John in. John, how about your? Uh, I don't know, left pinky toe. I guess right. There's not like a. There's not like a, I guess I'll let him in. There's. A, I wanted you here and I have you the way I want you, and you're in the body, and there's a reason I have you here. It's You're not just here to watch the other parts do their thing, but I have a reason for you to be here. And he goes on. He says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we... Think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are uh, unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, that its parts should be equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. One part is honored, every part rejoices in it. Paul doesn't just say, hey, God, God made you and he wants you here and he, he wired you a certain way, made you a certain way, and he needs you and wants you in the body, but he also says the body needs you. We need each other and we're connected to one another. You hear this at the end? If one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So not only I think in my own life, I have felt very quickly the excuse of like, well, I'll just step back. I'm not getting the opportunity to do something, but to use my talents or my skills. But that's just me. It's, it's this lie that we often hear, I think in all of our culture, right? That this thing just affects me. And this is a great moment where we see in scripture, it says, no, you not participating in the body of Christ not only affects you, it actually affects us because we need you. God has placed you here. He wants you here. And we need you. When we suffer, we suffer together. And when we rejoice, we rejoice together. If you're not using your gifts, you're also not just affecting yourself, but others. I see this uh, happen sometimes also, not just a um, you're, you're refusing or maybe deciding not to, to step into something. But I see this sometimes for, for the, the few that we have in our church who love to serve, and love to to offer their time and their talents a lot. And they might today go, okay, Drew is telling us we should figure out how, how it, what it looks like to be part of the body, what it looks like to step into the body, and so I need to volunteer for more stuff. And so how can every week, at every moment, I can be volunteering for more stuff? And I don't want that. You might be a person that this week you go like, hey, I need to take a step because there's others here, and they actually need space to step in. Or maybe I need to Maybe I get to be in a place where I get to help someone else learn how to step into a place. This is a place where the Spirit might nudge us to step up or maybe step back or maybe just invite others in because this is something we do together. This is why the church exists and how it exists is that we do this together. I saw this happen uh, this week, and uh, it was like a highlight of my week. Um, We have this app on our phone, a little, little promo for our phone. Our, we have an app on our phone. You can get it. It's free. It's, it's just called My Hope CC and you, you log into it. I'm sure none of you can see this, right? Because it's tiny, but you log in up and up in the, up in the right corner, there's messages. This is, this is why we have this. So there's messages people post. And then we have our own like Columbia Heights lobby. People post like funny memes and things they're up to. People often post like, hey, I, I like to go. I'm going to go to the park and you want to hang out. It's a great way for our community to connect with one another, but one of the really cool things is there's a tab in there to ask for prayer requests. So it's a place you can just say, I I need prayer for this thing. And then people in our church, our body, together can suffer together or rejoice together. This happened this week. So someone just posted in there, I got a little notification that said, hey, I I could use some prayer for this thing. And within a few minutes, this happened. Praying, praying, bunch of praying emojis, awesome. Praying... (laughs) Praying, 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 praying. All these are within a few minutes. Praying, I could have scrolled. Praying, praying, we're praying now. Praying for you right now. Which then which then, eventually led to like later in the day, can we keep praying? Is there anything else we can pray for? How is that going? Updates on that prayer. Just from it's one of those moments where I go like, do I need this technology? And then I like, thank God for this technology. Because our church in that moment, that wasn't like a hu- huge act. All of us can pray. That's a, a talent we all have all got to, to take a moment and pray. Someone in our church said, I'm suffering, I, I need you guys. And we were able to do that together, suffer together. And then as they shared prayer requests later and updates, we were able to rejoice together. That's just one little thing, right? One opportunity that we do that together. Well, as we go, we continue in this letter from Paul, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. If, you didn't, if we didn't catch that earlier in there, That's you guys. We're the body of Christ, this body, and we're all different parts and work differently. But we're all in that together through Christ. And God has placed in the church first all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater Gifts. So he, he just lists, right? Here's all these different gifts. He's specifically talking here more of what we call spiritual gifts, things that the Spirit of God does through people. Uh, but just, I think, even in general, as he gives us all different kinds, he's saying, hey, there's all these different gifts. Does everyone have each one of these gifts? How does this work? And he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is what makes me feel. I get a little panicky now. And I go, okay, I got to now figure out where I'm gifted, maybe take some type of gift assessment and figure that out. And then I got to apply those and I got to make this work. Maybe I got to change what I'm already doing. I see the big list. You see all the different kinds of gifts there are. How do I enter into that? How do I figure that out? Am I doing the right thing? Maybe I don't have that gift. I didn't score high enough on some kind of chart. I love, I love what he says here. This is the end of 1 Corinthians 12. He says this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. There, there's this. As I'm reading this, I go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to desire the greater gifts. And he says, I'm going to show you that. And I love, this is, a, this is a favorite moment when I read scripture. This is a part of scripture that I read, 1 Corinthians 12, I would read when I'd say, hey, I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to be in the body of Christ. And so I'd look up body of Christ, I'd Google body of Christ, and then it would say, and it would go, read 1 Corinthians 12. And then I later, right, I set that down and I say, "Hey, I'm going to help help some people prepare for their wedding." And then you, you Google "verses for weddings" and it says 1 Corinthians 13, right? It's one of these moments where there's a break in the scripture and I think if when we're reading our Bibles, sometimes we just we stop cuz we go, "Okay, that's the end of that thought." And now there's a now there's 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 Corinthians 13 is is for weddings. Right, it says somewhere in there, First Corinthians thirteen is for weddings. If you're going to buy a plaque for someone for their wedding, make sure it has First Corinthians thirteen. This verse is a lot about the word love, and so that makes a lot of sense. It it is great for it is great for weddings. Right, a lot of passages are great for weddings. This is a passage though. If when he wrote this letter, he didn't write like that's the end of chapter twelve, and now pause for a minute, maybe get some snacks, come back, and then we're going to start talk about weddings. He's continually just talking. They're just reading this letter to their church. And so he's he's talking about the gifts. He's talking about us being a body. And then he says, you know, pursue these desire, these great gifts. Let me show you an excellent way. Let me show you the most excellent way. And then he says this. So we're still talking about this. He says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging symbol, He just took the thing that they said, hey, he just took the Colin in their church. Hey, that's the, that worship guy is incredible. If I just had that, if I could just do that, that's the great, I wish that was the gift, right? He's going to tell us, what's the most excellent way he's going to say? All of you should learn how to lead worship in your church. He says, if you speak in tongues of men or of angels, yeah, you can do that. If you don't do that, though, with love, you're just like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Which doesn't, it'd be cool if that was like, had some cool, like, old-timey meaning that meant, like, something beautiful. No, it just means you'd be loud and noisy and not fun to listen to. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I could speak, if God kind of speaks through me, it can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge. And if I have faith that can move mountains, these are huge gifts, but I don't have love. I'm nothing. He doesn't even say like, you're not as awesome. <laughs> you got nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to the poor and give over my body to hardship. So if you're someone who, who, who just has that gift where you say, maybe you, you don't feel like you speak uh, the words of God. You don't feel like your faith moves mountains, but you are someone who just is willing to give everything, care for anyone, quick to to give the shirt off your back, the money in your pocket, your time, even be suffer for people. If I do all that so that I can boast, I don't have love, I got nothing. You want me to show you the most excellent way? You can do all these great things, but if you do them without love, you have nothing. He seems to be building to this point he wants to make. And then he says the verse, right? This is the scrolly wedding verse. It says, if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And then he says, because love is patient and it's kind and it doesn't envy and it doesn't boast and it's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Love never fails. Those great things. If you, if you don't have love, then these these things aren't used in the way they are created to be used. Look at the words that are used here. Patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, not proud. I mean, it takes like two of these and I'm like, I'm not that. Good luck. I guess I'm nothing. I, I uh, When I was young, I remember the few times I was in like a Bible study, we read this passage and someone said, hey, they gave us like a piece of paper with this passage with all like this. And they said, put your name in all those blanks. Does that apply to you? And I remember writing like, Drew is patient. Nope. All right. I'm done. (laughs) Worksheet's done. Uh, I'm not easily angered. I don't keep record of wrongs. I don't delight in evil. Do I rejoice in truth? And so I... I think Paul's encouraging us, hey, you do have talents. We have these gifts that God's given us and we do that in the body of Christ. We do that together. What does that look like? It, is it look like you gotta pursue a skill, be the best at it? You're gonna be the greatest coffee maker on Sunday morning. You're gonna be just the best greeter in our church. I gotta wait till I really hone my skill of how to even introduce myself to someone. Even let's say I leave this place, I go to work this week and someone asked me what I did. I got I to gotta make sure I've really rehearsed how to tell them that I went to church before I can do it. I got to get all the skills in the right place. I think this is where the America's Got Talent ekes into our church's Got Talent is we, we think we got the best skill and be the right person. And he's saying the manner with which you do this, the motivation, the heart that comes from this, the way that it's done seems to be really important compared to just the talent of which of what it is. So how do I get there? Because I would guess all of you would say, you maybe get through a few of these, and you're like, I don't. So what does it look like for me to use, right now, God has placed you here in our church body, in your community, in your family, in your workplace. What does it look like to, to use how God's wired me for his glory, to care for people, not selfishly. You say, I, I could try to do it kindly, out of love, not out of selfish intent. I want to encourage us. This. this is where we can't miss this because when we're talking about talents, it's real easy to just go. We just got to do better. Use your talents and stop not using them. And then we leave here. I say, good. Go leave. Drink coffee and eat some snacks. And we can't. We can't land there because you know what this list really is reminding us of? It's reminding us of Jesus. He's the only one who are these things. Is these things? Jesus is patient. He's kind, he doesn't envy, he doesn't boast, he's not proud, he does not dishonor others, he's not self-seeking. Is that crazy to think our God who, who created all things, who is perfect and powerful and incredible, doesn't say it's all about me, even though it is kind of all about him. He's not easily angered, although he should be at us. He keeps, a record, keeps no record of wrongs. Christ comes and dies, and forgives us, and then doesn't keep holding that over us. He doesn't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I died for you, but you just remember that thing. You just, I can't believe you did that. I died for that sin, but I still think about it all the time. No records of wrongs. He's not delight in evil. He rejoices in truth. He is the truth. He always protects, always trusts, always hopes and preserves Jesus never fails. So this is where I want us to really consider how this works for us. If we're going to be cups that are filled and overflow, we're not going to be, we're not going to be those who love our neighbors well just because. We're going to be, we will be able to love our neighbors well because we've been filled with the love that comes only from Christ who does this. Listen to, listen to Philippians 2. This sounds very familiar. Philippians 2 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, same language, right? Being connected in his body, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. So again, it's the body of Christ being connected and united together. Having the same love being one in spirit, one in mind, one body, right? Many parts, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So he's saying, we could have just read that, right? Thanks, Drew, for making us read all of 1 Corinthians. He's saying, hey, I want you to pursue these things, loving others, valuing other people, Not look into your own interests, but the interests of others. What does it look like to use how God's created you to do that? And then what does he say? He tells tells us the gospel. He says, how does that work? You remember this, let this fill you, and let that overflow into the people around you. Remember, have relationships like Christ did. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Mindset or even like heart, your whole being, your whole motivation. Christ, what was his mindset? Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He was the greatest of all things, is the greatest of all things, the most talented in all things. And he said, I'm not going to use that just for me. Rather, he made himself nothing. Went from all things to nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeliness, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Our God, who who is the greatest of all time in all categories, said, I'm going to become nothing so that I can love and serve these people. And the way I have to do that is I have to actually die on a cross. You know, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross, and die in our place, take our place so that we could have life. And so now that we can be baptized in him and have life, and then the the church could be a place that comes together, united under that one banner, united under that one thing, that's Jesus who is willing to die, be obedient to death on a cross and, and raise to life and bring us with him. And so for us to be people who are, who are motivated by love and, and, and show that love in the manner with which we do anything we do, we first cling to Jesus who has done that for us. And then as it says in Ephesians 3, we, then the church, get to be the ones that God uses to let everyone else know this great news. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Now, that's the people who were not part of God's people, the Gentiles, the pagans, are now unified with Israel, the Jews. You Remember that in, in the first Corinthians passage? Even the Jews and Gentiles are now together in one body. It says, this is a crazy mystery, that the good news of Jesus brings them together, members together in one body, and shares together in the promise of Jesus. We're one body, all together. And like Ephesians 3.10 is the mission of the church. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, be accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is This is the passage that says, how is God going to tell the world this good news? Well, he's going to unite people together of every background, of every talent, uh, uh, of every ethnicity, of every uh, political persuasion. All of them through Christ can be united. And then that body, that family that we call the church gets to go and bring that good news to the world. So our talents come together, not just so we can serve one another and suffer together and rejoice together, but then we together, this body, gets to walk around and be Jesus to one another. And so Christ fills us. This gospel fills us. It releases us from a life of serving ourselves and empowers us to live lives serving Jesus and others. There's ways to do this, just practically what this looks like. If you're someone who not I want to be filled with this love of Christ, and I want to overflow this love. There's ways just even in our own church, and even just like right now in this exact moment that this is happening all over this high school gymnasium and auditorium, things like being connected to our kids. Right now there's people who are saying, I want to show the love of Christ through running around in a gym teaching kids, right? There's opportunities in our hospitality team that helps set up and greet people. They help pray with people. They help make sure we have coffee and treats and and communion. It's people who bring treats. It's people who pray during our communion for each other. People who greet in their own church. Some of you just become really good at welcoming someone when they're new, giving a hug to an old friend when they need it. I've seen it Sundays is one of my highlights of watching someone like a uh, slow walk, fast jog, whatever through the hallway because they saw someone come in. And they're like, I know they've had a hard week. I got to go find them and give them a hug. You could join our worship team. You could sing right next to Colin. Could you imagine? you would be right, I mean, that close to him. <laughs> you could join a small group. Not, you don't need to lead a small group. You stepping in a community with a small group means you get to care for them, suffer with them, rejoice with them. They need you. We, we need each other. I need everyone in my small group uh, to care and, and help each other and just even enjoy life together, join a prayer team, even think about it in our community there's ways to serve. Uh, specifically at, at uh, Hope Heights, we are connected to SACA, the food shelf. We have people serving there. We have people serving through Arrive, uh, which is a ministry that, that um, uh, connects and serves our immigrant and refugee families in town. Uh, we're just helping start a ministry, Treehouse. It's helping... Uh, uh, form support groups in the schools here in Columbia Heights. You could read at a school. You could ask any teacher you know in the entire world right now <laughs> how you could help them. Uh, and you could spend all day every day probably helping read a book with a kid. You can help fill our blue bin. We have a blue bin outside the door here um, that that we help to support our school, our social workers at Highland Elementary that's right next door. Let's us know. She just let us know that they start they're starting to need coats. So there's kids just show up to school with no coat. They don't have a coat. And so she said, anyway, people at your church could buy some coats. And so you could swing by the blue bin and take an index card and go to Target or wherever you buy coats and um, buy a coat, and bring a coat back. And we have an opportunity to care and love a kid and out of the love of Christ. Now, to help you, as we kind of end our time here, I thought, that typically when I talk about this, if I were to do this like we were in a seminar, let's say there's 20 of us in a room you talk about this, we'd understand kind of what this looks like, and then we'd say, okay, let's take a gifts assessment. So I have uh, created the Drew Zalke Leadership Institute Gifts assessment. So uh, get ready in your seat. There's going to be a series of questions here, and I need you to keep track of them. This is going to help you understand where you should serve in the church. Okay? We're going to do this. I've never done this to the whole group. We're going to see how this works. So you have to tally this, okay? So there'll be yeses and nos. You'll say yes or no to the question. And if it's a yes, you get a point. If it's a no, you get no points, all right? So maybe keep track on your hands, or maybe you want to keep tally, or maybe in your phone, take a note. But we're, uh, we're going to do this together as we end here. So maybe give you a little indication of where you should serve. And at the end, there'll be like cool graphs, and there'll be some kind of church points that will show you where... Um, you know, it'll show you exactly where you should serve to find the most joy. You ready? All right, everybody ready? Here we go. Keep track of the points. We'll start with a few uh, easy questions here. Do you enjoy planning events? Okay, so you don't have to say it out loud. Just keep track on your hands or a thing. Yes, uh, one. You get one if it's a yes, zero. So And you got to know that number at the end. Do you play an instrument? Right? Colin does. He plays guitar. I don't know if you noticed. Pretty cool guy. Do you enjoy public speaking? Someone out there probably does, right? Do you just enjoy even talking to people in public? That would count. Do you know much about the Bible? Okay. Do you have arms? Anyone? Could you use those arms to hold a baby? That could be two points right there. Everyone keep a track. Not going too fast. Or or hug a friend. Maybe three. Could you have arms? Could you hold babies? Could you hug a friend? Or maybe even high five someone? Wow, if you have arms, there's a lot of stuff you could do. Do you have ears? Could you listen to a friend? Some of you are racking these up. You're probably over ten already, right? You gotta help you gotta use your neighbor's hands to count. Could you listen, then hug them, and then even listen more? That's using the ears and the arms. That's two things, but maybe you can do that. Do you have a car? Could you do cool tricks in your car? Someone can. Someone got really excited and say, like, yeah, I can. Today, we all could probably with a little ice. Or you could give someone a ride. Or pick up Chinese food when someone had their boss yell at them. Hypothetically, maybe someone's had that happen. Do you have a mouth? I think everybody did. Maybe that's at least one. Can you speak words of grace? Can you speak words of truth? Probably one of those you felt very strong on, one of those you did not feel strong on. (laughs) They're both important. Could you drink coffee while listening to someone share about their day and then high five them? I bet some of you could do that. Have you been loved? That's a freebie. All of you have. You can say yes to that. Can you love? All right. So total up your scores. If you need a second to write down your score, all right. If you had zero, anyone have zero? No, because you lied. You did. You absolutely lied. All right. If you had one to twenty-five, hey, congratulations! You're the church. You're an essential part of the body of Christ. You're not an accident. You're used to build the body of Christ. You're used to bring hope to the world. The good news of Jesus. The great joy that comes to our community. We need you. I worry that we make this into something that becomes a, uh, a long season of assessing ourselves and figuring out what number or letters we are to make sure that we fit just right. And then we have to try a lot of things out. Wonder What would it look like if, as a body, just broken, injured, <laughs> wounded, uh, hands that kind of work and legs that kind of work, what if we just came together and in love? I think our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our body needs a lot more kindness and patience and truth and grace probably than they need really skilled laborers. Um, that's my prayer for us today. I'm actually going to invite our worship team up so we can just worship together. Sorry, Colin, is weird now that I have to invite you up here <laughs> after I, like, f- fake-worshipped you uh, I have a couple of questions I want us to consider. We're going to take a time to reflect uh, on the gospel here as we end our service. A couple questions to consider. Have you allowed Jesus to love you, heal your heart, empower you? Maybe consider what motivates you to use your gifts or why don't you use your gifts? It's a helpful question. Why do, I, why do I do the thing? Why do I serve in the place that I serve? Where is God nudging you to serve more or continue to serve? Maybe where you already are. And then just, who needs Jesus' love today? How could our church even, or how could you and some friends in the body bring hope today to those around you? We have a few ways we like to respond on a Sunday morning here at Hope. Uh, first through communion. If you go out the doors, uh, just either door, we can't have food or drink in the in the auditorium, and so uh, we take communion out in the hallway. Uh, we have communion cups out there. There's gluten-free, I believe, at both tables, if not for sure at this table. Um, We do this to remember Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Every week, our our service moves towards that because that is why we're here. Uh, Feel free to do that. Also, you could sing and pray. There'll be people in the back of the room with uh, yellow lanyards on who are open uh, are willing and want to pray with you. You don't even have to say anything to them. You can just walk up to them and say, I'd like prayer or just look at them and nod and they'll pray for you. You could also share things. They would love to pray for you. Also, we're gonna be singing. Our worship team will lead us. In time to sing. And also, uh, as always, you can respond by giving. Um, and so we encourage you to, with grateful hearts, give to God uh, in His ministry. You can do that at hopecc.com. Um, also, you can do that on the communion table in the back over here. There is a, a box you can give to. Let me pray for us, and then we'll just spend some time responding to the gospel of what God's done. Lord, thank you that you have made us, that you've rescued us, that you have uh, stepped down from your throne become nothing, become obedient even to death so that we would not have to be, be killed. That you rescued us and gave us life, that you fill us with life and you fill us with your love. I pray that we people would be filled with that and trusted with that and we would overflow that to those around us. And Lord, that we'd really consider um, the manner with which we do that. Consider what it looks like to be part of the body, Lord. I pray right now you'd maybe be nudging some of us in a direction. Maybe some of us, you'd even be nudging to figure out how we can pull other people in. I also pray for those who uh, it's hard to ask for help, that we would be those who could ask for help. Um, we would be here for each other. We, we thank you, Lord, that you're so good to us. And I pray now as we respond, we would remember your gospel, be filled with your gospel, uh, Lord. And that's what would heal us and bring us new life. We pray this in your good name. Amen.